You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. This year, we themed the year the Word. But the Word really doesn't mean anything unless your heart is soft and receptive. Jesus told the story of the parable of the sow and the seed, and uh, he talked about how the seed landed on multiple soils. And really, all that happened was according to the condition of the soil, which means you could have, you know, we could have Rodney Howard Brown, you could have John Bevere, Lisa Bevere, you could have Ravi Zacharias, you could have so-and-so. And really, unless your heart is soft, it makes no difference. 30, 60, and 100-fold depends on the condition of the heart. Now, there are a lot of things that affect the heart. Disappointment can affect the heart. Bitterness can affect the heart. Offense can affect the heart. But, you know, here's another thing that you don't think normally that affects the heart. Familiarity. Routine. Have you ever heard the term autopilot? Autopilot me is a good thing because it means uh, we can do things more efficiently. And we, but, but there's a point where autopilot becomes bad. You can, we can autopilot God. We can autopilot church. We can autopilot... Imagine... Imagine being able to worship God, but not really have to think or engage. Imagine hearing a word and go, oh, I've been there, done that, heard this before. And, and the, the danger of familiarity without tenderness is it actually hardens your heart. Jesus said, they worship me with their lips, but there's a disconnect because it's autopilot. There's an autopilot that can actually hurt you. And really, I want to set up the year by talking today about a little bit about our heart, simply because if the heart is not turned over and tilled, all the, the word, which is the seed deposited, will actually have no impact. And this is not a 2020 problem. This is a problem that's existed from the beginning of time. In fact, if you were to read through the Bible, I know there are people doing things like the 30-day shred, and there's all sorts of other different Bible plans and programs out there. That's wonderful. But ensure this thing is done with an open heart, because this book was never meant to be studied apart from a desire to know God. If you, if you don't desire to know God, this book will start fights, create divisions, maybe even denominations. But really, it was never designed for that. It was the written word that was meant to lead to the living word, and it was certainly meant to be a compass that guided the hungry. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't meant to just give us more information, even though there's phenomenal information. This is such a, uh, it is the greatest document ever printed, published, now downloaded. 66 books written in three languages by 40 authors over a 1,500-year period. And yet having a divine thread of God's grace through the entire thing, pretty stunning. And yet the heart has always been the problem. It's not a 2020 problem. It's not a Perth problem. It's not an Australian problem. It's a human problem. Yeah. It's always been the challenge. In fact, if you read through the theme through this entire book, it, you can sort of break it down into a few simple thoughts. The cornerstone of this entire book is that God is good. Some people think God had a mood swing halfway through time and decided on the New Testament. Not true. God has always been good. In fact, the favorite song of the Old Testament was, For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Back in the old school day church, we used to do this thing where you say, God is good, and everyone would say? It's only the 40-year-olds who spoke there. God is good and everyone is meant to echo all the time. And then the preacher would go all the time and then everyone would say? 
Okay, let's see if we've got any audible cohesion in this auditorium. Let's try that. God is good. And all the time. Very good. That's amazing. Way more coordinated than Wangara. All right. um, So... So really, the, the goodness of God is evident in creation. In fact, after every day's work, he said, it is good because he is good. And your life may never be finished, but it is still good because it's a work in progress. Never be discouraged with what's wrong with your life because a good God is working on your life and there is progress every step of the way. You're not where you should be, but you're not where you used to be. So the reality is a good God is still with you, for you. It opens your heart towards approaching him because the cornerstone of all thought, theology, and approach must be God is good all the time and all the time. So clearly God's not the problem. So what is our heart? And from Adam through through to 2020, you can blame circumstances. You can blame issues. See, the goodness of God as a cornerstone is vital. It doesn't mean life is good. It doesn't mean your neighbours are good. Doesn't mean your health is good. Doesn't mean your emotions are good. It doesn't mean your bank account is good, but what you can take to the bank is that God is good. And really the starting point of turning things around is to recognize the problem isn't God and the problem isn't everyone else. The problem is our heart. Our heart has always been the root of the problem. In fact, as you read the scriptures, you'll realize in every season of this book, People thought maybe if I just had a different surrounding or a different situation or a different circumstance, it would change. And we realized the prophets come along and they start to declare, really, we don't have a, a, a situation problem. We have a heart problem. And, 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 and this thing has to be fixed by a new heart. A heart has always been the problem. Here's the other reality that we don't seem to talk about much these days. Choices have consequences. See, once your heart starts to move in a direction... It is imbecile, juvenile, and naive to think that your choices have no consequences. It might be small, it might be large, it might be good, it might be bad, but every choice comes with a consequence. And to think that there is no consequence is the deception that is literally ultimately creating a spoiled brat generation of people who demand rights and then complain when things don't work out. Every choice, whether it's with your morality, with your biology, with your sexuality, with your philosophy, every decision you make to do this or to do that leads to consequences. Choices have consequences. That's not bad. That's just life. You sow, you reap. It's, it's, it's part of DNA of humanity. And because choices have consequences, we'll find that from Adam right through till today, based on how our heart started to steer our lives, we made choices which ultimately had consequences. And you'll see right through the book, it led to problems, but it also led to blessing. And we get a choice. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose today what you will do. Choose what words come out of your mouth. Choose what you let into your heart and choose wisely because choices have consequences. But here's the reality. No matter how bad or trapped you feel, God always hears the humble cry. Humble is both a noun and a verb. He'll hear humble people who cry and he'll hear the kind of cry that's humble. God's desire to rescue people does not draw boundaries around how many times you've messed up because he is a good God. God is good. Right. And so as a result, if 
you are stuck in a situation, there is great news because God still delivers the humble. He will still hear the cry of anybody trapped and that's his father nature. He's not there going, you've had enough chances, you're done. He's a good God and if you, no matter where you're at, the thief on the cross can cry out and God will still hear because God hears the humble cry. And we'll find when we go through the book that that's literally the cycle we go through. And finally, when he hears the cry of his people, he goes, okay, who am I going to use to help them? And then he doesn't really have much to work with. He works with us. So God uses broken people. This is meant to encourage you that really you're a candidate to be used by God because he doesn't need, to be, he doesn't need you to be any better than you are because you can't really make that much of an improvement on where you and I are at. But what we can do is be available to God and say, God, you can use me. And you'll find right throughout history, God used messed up, broken people because at the end of the day, if He uses perfect people, people get the credit. If He uses broken people, God gets the credit. And that's why we go around, this is not people. This clearly must be God. And really the cycle continues. God uses broken people. They get free. But then the heart is the problem. They make bad choices. Choices have consequences. They get trapped long enough. They cry out humbly. God uses broken people. And then they get deliverance. And then they, 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 they get trapped because heart's a problem and choices have consequences. And that is literally the story of this book. This is the summary. This is the summary. Now, you could start with Adam and Eve and Genesis and realize they, their choices had consequences. And then you go a thousand years and you end up with Noah. This year at Connect Groups, the whole Connect series is really on the word and we're going through the whole thing in a way that actually hopefully activates you. Maybe think about actually joining a Connect this year and actually going a bit deeper with God on this. It'll actually help. And, uh, and, and really from Adam through Noah, a thousand years pass. I used to read it and go, man, God, we're barely a few pages in and you're like, you're like a bad drawing. I don't like it. We'll start again, Noah. But it's actually a thousand years. That's a long time. A hundred years was, a, it was World War I. A thousand years is a long time. That's a patient God. But choices have consequences. The world became perverse from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and so on. And he starts again with Noah. But, you know, he starts again with the guy that he calls righteous. And this is a guy who's got alcohol issues, gets drunk, gets naked. But God uses broken people. Whenever you talk about the failings of someone, understand I'm not doing that to denigrate them. I'm doing that to give you and I hope. And all the drunken, naked people said? (laughs) Starts with Noah and he carries on. And a thousand years later, there's 4,000 years of history. There's sort of Adam at 4,000 BC, Noah at 3,000 BC. And then we get to a guy called Abram. Abram's uh, uh, the the, the first man that God says, you know what, I'm going to pick a man. And he says to him, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make your name so well known that he, I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to show who I am to the world through you and your family. And he turns a really old man into a dad, which becomes a tribe, which becomes a nation, which ultimately, ultimately becomes the story of the Jews, which is really what the majority of this book is about. This man's family. And by the way, in case you think there was something special about him, God uses broken people. He lied about his wife, slept with his maid, and did a whole bunch of things that would get the AOG really mad with you. But God uses broken people. And God decided, I'm going to show off through this man and his family. And Abraham, Sarah, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, all sorts of sibling issues. You thought your family had dysfunction. 
Check out the family God used. By the way, Genesis is pretty full on. I mean, you read it. There's some stories in there. You better you get ready for some, some explanations to your kids. My son the other day asked me, Dad, why do people have affairs? He's seven. I said, what do you know about affairs? He says, I said, you don't even know what an affair is. He goes, yeah, adultery. I go, Jemima glares at me like, what have you been letting them watch? And I'm like, and he, he goes, I said, where did you learn about adultery? He goes, in the Bible. I'm like, oh, okay, keep reading, son. Um, it's full on. But I don't think the, the writers admit anything, partly to give us hope. It's not just to study the story of this guy's family. It's to realize God uses broken people. And all of them get into problems. I mean, there's problems. Jacob, who's called deceiver, changes his name to Israel, which is now the name of the nation. He has 12 kids through four women. And they do the math. It multiplies pretty quickly. Abraham's, great, uh, Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, becomes a pivotal character at the end of the book. And it becomes used when there's famine across the world, the then-known world. And, and he literally saves two nations through the wisdom God gives him, through the intervention God gives him. But this family multiplies so much so that the Pharaoh who follows does not know Joseph's good works and gets scared of Abraham's family and says, you know what, this family's getting too big. So enslaves them. Enslaves them, puts them into bondage. And for the next 400 years, they're in a bad space. But God hears the cry of the humble. And the cries of his people come up to him. And he says, you know what, it's time to rescue these guys. And so he picks another broken man, Moses. And Moses comes along. He's from the line, from the family, but he's a little bit different. He's sort of third culture. He's too Egyptian to be Hebrew because he was raised in the palace. And he's too Hebrew to be Egyptian because he's really Hebrew. And everyone who's third culture in this room would understand that. I totally get it. I'm too Aussie to be Asian and I'm too Asian to be Aussie. Julian is too Sri Lankan to be Aussie, but he's too Aussie to be Sri Lankan. No, no, he's just Aussie. He doesn't, in fact, he's denying all Sri Lankan connectivity. Uh, no, that's, no, well, it's true. You're, you're sort of stuck. But really, he was designed by God for deliverance. And God, we find in the book of Exodus, is revealed as a deliverer. And whether you're stuck in a bondage that seems too hard to shake or not, God is a deliverer. He can pull you out of any addiction. He can pull you out of any bondage. He can pull you out of any chain. He can pull you out of any slavery because that is who He is. God is good and He hears the cry of the humble. He raises this guy up. Now Moses has a temper problem. It's not just Indians who have a temper problem. Even Moses had a temper problem. God can use anybody. He uses a broken man who murders a guy. He clearly has some issues as well. And through miraculous signs, liberates an entire nation, which is still not a nation. It's still a very large family that have a, now a pretty checkered history. And he walks them through the wilderness to Mount Sinai for a year where he's going to reveal himself as the covenant-keeping God. And there we find Leviticus, which is where most of us stop reading the Bible. Because who wants to read 613 laws that seem so out of date and really have no relevance to 2020? Uh, we normally get convicted by about June and then we start in the book of John. And that's normally how the Bible reading plans work. But Leviticus is a vital document because really it gives the family national context. You can't have a nation without infrastructure, bureaucracy, policy, structure, and that's what God does. And if you read it, sometimes with today's standards, it looks a bit old and barbaric and crazy, but you've got to understand in the context of the day it was written, Leviticus is social justice, Leviticus is mercy, Leviticus is God's kindness, because God has 
always been good. In fact, he actually took care of people who had a soft and humble heart. He wasn't just showing off to Abraham's family. There were many stories in the Old Testament of how God includes people and God reveals them. But you know, the strangest thing happens. They're free from slavery. You'd think they'd be happy, but they start whining in the wilderness. They start whining in the wilderness. Why? Because apparently slavery is not the problem. Our heart's always been the problem. See, sometimes you might be in slavery. God, deliver me. If I'm just out of this situation, then I'll be fine. And then once that changes, you're still not fine because the situation was in the bondage. The heart's the bondage. And they start whining and complaining now that they're free. And they're longing for leeks and garlic. And really, the whole story goes, numbers, they wander through the wilderness and they find themselves in Deuteronomy, which is really Moses' farewell speech. And he's basically saying, guys, I'm out. You guys are going to go into the... And you know, his farewell speech is in Deuteronomy. There's some laws in there. But really, he basically says this. Here's the summary of his speech. Don't be like your parents. Do not be like them. They died in the wilderness because they didn't listen to the God who actually set them up. Choices have consequences. You ignore God's word, you will, you will live by the consequences of it. We live in a world who wants the best of God, but not the ways of God. And so what happens is they want God to do everything for them, but they won't actually open and say, God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Every choice you make does have consequences. And so the, the, the children of Israel find that out. And now they're on the verge of the promised land. Canaan, which God promised Abraham years ago, they're now standing overlooking the whole thing. And they, and they realize we're here. And, and Moses is a little bit sort of, you know, the, 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 he says something in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He already worked out that the heart's the problem. He says, you've got the laws, you've been in wilderness, you've been in captivity. I've been around long enough, Moses is saying, to realise no matter what you do, it's not going to work. You're going to fall again, but let me give you a clue. God will hear you when you're in captivity and when the humble cry out, God will raise up a deliverer and you're going to be okay. Just stay humble, but for, for goodness sake, love God with all your heart. Don't be like your folks who started whining even after the changes happened. Listen you're going to get into Canaan. You're going to get your own houses. It's going to be amazing, but you're going to walk into problems because they get into Canaan and now Joshua takes the reins and Joshua now leads them into battle. They displace 31 kings. They divide up the tribes. So they all have a land. And we think, if only God, I own my own house, everything will be good. And now they own their own house. Now there's a new problem. Neighbours. The Canaanites have other issues and these guys become like their neighbours. They want to be so friendly with the neighbours, they become like the neighbours. Child sacrifices, sexual perversion. That's why God has to say, listen, if I'm going to give you territory, make sure you stay true to my word. He says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. I'll be with you like I was with Moses, but be faithful to obey. Deuteronomy, he says, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country if you follow the ways of God. But if you don't follow the ways of God, this is not a historical text. This is a 2020 truth. But, but humanity's been the same. God is good, but our heart is the problem. Our choices have consequences. But no matter how much trouble we get ourselves in, God hears the humble cry and then He'll use a broken person. And the saddest thing about Joshua is at the end of his life, once he's got them all territory, the Bible says that they, the next generation grew up not knowing the ways of God which is why testimonies are so important. That's why what's happening next door in the kids program is so important. That's not babysitting. That's passing it down one generation to the next. So every generation knows the ways of the Lord, the acts of God, the faithfulness of God. And now we find ourselves post Joshua into a series. The book is called Judges, but don't think judges in terms of courts with, you know, wigs. Don't think impeachment, think military might. 
think military might and God anoints over the next 400 years periodically. You know what's really sad about the book of Judges? Abraham's family finally found a home. And even then it still wasn't good enough. Why? Because even having your own house isn't the solution when the heart is the problem. So slavery, wilderness, even possessions. And they still, Abraham's family is still lost. But the cycle continues. Choices have consequences. They get into bondage. They cry out to God. And right through our judges, you'll see this phrase, God's spirit fell upon them, whether it was Gideon or Deborah or Samson. And, and, and the last truth is true. God uses broken people. These judges weren't great. They were just the best God had to deal with. He'll just use anyone who says yes. Gideon had insecurities and a temper. Samson was promiscuous. Everybody had some challenges. And God still anointed them, poured his spirit on them, raised them up, because God hears the cry of the humble. God hears the humble cry. And he used broken people over the next 400 years. But the saddest thing is Abraham's family is still scattered. And then they think they worked out what the real problem was. Oh, before John Maxwell, there was the Israelites. And they said, we need leadership. Leadership is the solution and leadership is the answer. And so they decided we need a king because the Canaanites have a king. Everyone else has a king. We need a king. And so they, got, they asked for a king. And a young woman who was praying in the temple because she was barren, birthed a prophet called Samuel. He rises up. God speaks through the prophets as he always has done. And he says, listen, give him a king. And he gave him crazy Saul. Be careful what you ask God for. He'll actually give it to you. And Saul comes along. Saul has a quick story. And then really it's up to the high point of Israel's story, which is David. And David is the man. David is, David's got the whole package. He's a worshiper. He's a warrior. He, 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 he's the high point. It's like, this is finally what Abraham's family was meant to have. A covenant keeping God that, 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 that love his presence. He's taken the territory. He's established Jerusalem. He's the man. He's brought the presence back. He's killed the giants. He's done it all. David is the high point. Let's, be, let's make no, Till today, the Jewish people love David because he was clearly the high point. He was the epitome of what they thought God had promised Abraham and his entire descendants. And so here we have David, but David's broken. He's got some challenges. Choices have consequences. He made some choices. They had some consequences. But God heard the cry of the humble. And really then leadership apparently wasn't the solution because the problem is not external. It's not above you. You know, Whatever your captivity is this morning, that's not the problem. Whatever lack of clarity you have right now in the wilderness, that's not your problem. Whatever houses you have to manage because you've got territory, that's not the problem. No matter what leadership or king or ruler you have, well, change the king. Well, the next guy was Solomon. Solomon had all the wealth. God, if I only win lotto. I promise you I'd tithe and then... I would have no problems. I'd have peace. And people go, no, money's not going to help. Like, but God, use me as the test case. Just try it on me. <laughs> and we find Solomon, the wealthiest and the wisest, who wrote the phrase, guard your heart. And the guy who wrote guard your heart didn't. Marries foreign wives for political alliances, ends up worshipping their God, doesn't guard his own heart. And by the end, he looks more like Pharaoh than David. Because the heart's always been the problem. So apparently slavery, wilderness, own territory, leadership, and now having everything is not the solution 
when the heart is the problem. But God is still good, and he's still faithful, and he still hears the cry of the humble, and he responds. And really, after Solomon, it gets pretty bad. It gets pretty bad. The kingdom splits 200 years. The northern tribes, they have 10 kings, and all they have 20 kings, actually. 20 kings, Elisha, Elijah, they all prophesy into them, but the 20 kings are all bad. The nation gets wiped out, and they're all in exile. Southern Israel was a bit better. They had eight out of 20, not bad. Still a fail in exams, but it's better than zero out of 20. And southern Israel have 20 kings, but eight are decent. But towards the end, there's a guy called Manasseh. He really messed things up for everyone and uh, really undid all the good work of the few good ones that came along. And uh, the short version is they end up in exile in Babylon. How tragic. A thousand years after God speaks to Abraham, I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to show off through your family and I'm going to give you nations. You can see Canaan, it's your land. And a thousand years later, is it, a, is, it, is it God's issue? No, God is good. Our heart is the problem and our choices have consequences. All the prophecies aren't going to save you if you make the wrong choices. But God hears the cry of the humble, and he still has. Still, There was glimpses even in those periods, Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, you know, Persian king was pretty kind to them. Maccabees, there was a bit of a revival there. Alexander the Great comes, cleans them all out again. Then before long, they end up under the captivity of Rome, and Abraham's family is scattered. Abraham's family is in exile. We don't even know what happens in the last 400 years before the New Testament. It's just a sad story. And yet God is good, and God never gives up. God is a covenant-keeping God. No matter how sad your story feels, it's not the end, because God's still in it. And then about 2,000 years ago, a rabbi starts to walk the face of the earth. He's born in a barn in Bethlehem, and he starts very strangely saying things that are so contrary to how kings should behave. He says, it's not what enters a man's mouth that makes him unclean, but what comes out of his heart. He says, murder is not when you stick the knife in, it's when you harbor anger in your heart. He starts saying things like, you know, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. He starts quoting Moses again. He, he says, listen, adultery isn't when you actually just do it, it's when you think it, when it, when it starts in here, it, it's an issue. He says, blessed are the, are the poor in spirit. And they're like, we, we want someone a bit more inspirational and motivational, someone a bit more military, you know, a bit like David. Uh, blessed are those who, who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They're like, no, 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 we don't want meek. We don't want poor. We don't want mourners. We want the opposite. And Jesus comes along and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. They're like, who are you? But what's amazing is he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead, he's delivering demons, he's moving in power, he's teaching with authority. There's something about him that draws them in and yet he's teaching everything contrary to what they thought was required to deliver them from the next level of exile and captivity. He says, blessed are the pure in... The pure in... For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the persecuted. What do you mean the persecuted? I thought the oppressor. No, the persecuted. For they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For so they persecuted Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, Haggai. They, they killed them all. 
And like a preacher who has six points and drills down on the last one, he says, yeah, and blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you. Falsely for my sake. You know, being a Christian in 2020 in Perth, uh, it's not getting any easier, believe it or not. Well, certainly not if you want the praise of men. Certainly if you don't want to appear good to everyone else. God has called us to serve people, to love people. We don't fight flesh and blood. Tonight I'm speaking a message called Born for Battle and everyone's in a fight, but not everyone's fighting. And there's a reality about our lives today that need an awakening like we've never had before. But Jesus is not talking about fighting people. He's saying it's okay if they persecute you. It's okay if they torment you. It's fine. Just keep, because, because apparently captivity, wilderness, promised land, even wealth doesn't fix it. The issue is the heart. This has always been the heart. And you know, when, in a few minutes when we have communion, he gets to the real issue. And he says, you know, it just starts to get traction. Then he says this thing, goes, it's better for you that I go away. And everyone's like, are you kidding me? You just came. Please don't leave. We've had nothing. Abraham's family has been in exile for so long. We've got, it, we've got everyone a bit flustered, so please hang around. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. It's better for you that I go. Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and He's going to come. But see, the Holy Spirit is not just going to be around you. He's going to be inside you. He's going to be the Spirit of me. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And God says, you don't understand. This time, the one who created Abraham became the seed of Abraham. And He said, I'm going to send my Spirit upon you. In you, it's going to change you from the inside out where the real problem is. See, we didn't need more. We didn't need new humans. We needed a new kind of human. And if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new kind of human. Still frail, still broken, still messed up. But now God says, let me start working where the problem's always been. I I support every prayer we pray at the front here. When people say, you know, please, I need this to change. I'm believing for this to move. We have stories and testimonies and I amen all of them. And I still stand with all of them. But the real prayer we should be praying is change my heart, oh God. Because apparently the change in situation, take me out of bondage. Give me direction. Give me a new house. Give me lotto tickets. It all falls apart if your heart's not right. And the Spirit of God comes on the day of Pentecost and sets 120 humble people on fire. And right throughout time, God has always been good. Our heart is still the problem. Our choices still have consequences but he'll still hear the cry of the humble today. And he'll still use the broken. He'll still use anybody. He's not fussy with who he uses. He'll use anybody. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that he loves you very much. So much that he died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, 
or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.